Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Planning today's show, I did not plan on starting with this. This is a little unusual. But I do have to throw some credit to a pretty unlikely source. I have to throw some credit to one of the more polarizing yet compelling figures in all of sports, at least in recent years. A man fondly referred to you and famously once referred to by Seth Rollins as Johnny Idiot Face. Johnny Idiot Face. I mean, in a way, that's like so juvenile, but so good. And not only that he called him that, but called him that with that intensity. Johnny Idiot Face. Johnny Idiot Face. Anyway, the reason I'm starting with this, Johnny Manziel is back in the headlines because Johnny Manziel paid a visit to Shannon Sharp's Club Shay Shay this week. A two-plus-hour visit. And in that visit, he said a lot of things. A lot of things. And here's the shocker. Dude actually comes off pretty well. I mean, accountability may in fact be his new currency, but at least he was accountable for some of the dumb things he's done. Because we know he's done some of the dumbest things ever. You know, like throwing away his entire career and nearly his life. But he comes off pretty well. Johnny Idiot Face came off much more like Johnny Saving Face. Johnny effing football came off a lot more like Johnny effing accountability. I wasn't necessarily expecting to have that reaction. And you can form your own opinions since I'm going to play a bunch of it. And again, these are just clips. Clips out of context compared to a two-hour conversation. But clips nonetheless. But I will say this. The dude looks much better. He sounds much better. And he's saying the right things. Now, is he saying them because that's what people want to hear? Or is he saying them because he's done the hard work on himself, continues to do the hard work, and wants to get right? I don't know. I don't know him well enough to know. I don't know what's in his head. I don't know what's in his heart. It's also up for you to decide. But there is no debating this. Dude was dropping bombs. And some incredible bleep was coming out of his mouth. Let me start with this. An all-time one-liner. He was telling Shannon Sharp that he lost 40 pounds. And he lost 40 pounds in a really, really short period of time. 40 pounds in a period of a few months after he got released by the Browns. So he asked the question, like, how do you lose that much weight that quickly? Johnny says, easy. You go on a diet. A Bolivian marching powder diet. I was 210 pounds when I left Cleveland. I was 170 pounds sitting in Vegas that August, that September, October, whatever it was later in that year. How you lose 40 pounds? You're on a strict diet of blow. But damn, what a line. How do you lose 40 pounds? How do you lose 40 pounds? You do it on a, quote, strict diet of blow. On a strict diet of blow. Incredible line. I mean, an incredible line. Not a casual diet. Not a lenient diet. Not a party diet. Not even a steady diet. He was on a strict diet of blow. On a strict diet of blow. 
that will for sure take the weight off. An all-time line. I'd almost go as far as to say that is a perfect line. It's that good. How do you lose 40 pounds? By going on a strict diet of blow. A strict diet of blow? Bam. How did I do it? How did I do it? I had a blow regimen. And I stuck to it. I had a blow process. And I trusted the process. A process of blow. You're on a strict diet of blow. Incredible. But as amazing as that line was, and is, it's not what really interests me about the interview. In part. <laughs> because that is a pretty incredible line. But what did actually actually interest me were the parts where he sounds like he's finally in a better place. He sounds like he is finally accepted, owned, and figured some things out. It sounds like there is some ownership and accountability. Accountability for being on top of the bleeping world and setting it all on fire. Listen to what he had to say about that. I f***ed up the biggest golden opportunity that you could have ever imagined. And this is where I think whenever you said what you said about the fan-controlled football league, it is sad, Shannon. What you said on that day is exactly right. It is sad to watch a guy who had all the potential in the world, all the opportunity, all the resources and team around him, and he still goes, that. But what if I told you today that, that I don't think that I loved what I was doing enough to ever get into the mix of doing it the right way? You know, we've all said that, right? How in the world does a guy who has that much, that much, the world at his fingertips, all the resources necessary, everything around him that he needed to be the guy, bleep that up. And he just said it himself. He rephrased it himself. He asked himself that question. I mean, that sounds better, right? That dude, that dude in that response does not even sound like Johnny Manziel. He sounds like an actual adult, a responsible adult, an accountable adult, somebody who's done some work on himself, somebody who may have his act together or more so. He actually sounds like, how do I put this? When I hear that, you know what that sounds like? You know what he sounds like? Again, how do I put this? What's the word? Smart. It's almost kind of jarring. And it wasn't just that response. He actually went through and he named all the people that he regrets letting down. And it's a hell of a list. He's thrown out names like Joe Thomas, Mike Evans, Jake Matthews, LeBron, even Drake. Like, this dude has an apology for everybody. And in fact, he pretty much does owe everybody an apology. But at least he's coming around now with that apology. And again, yes, he's getting a lot of attention for his newfound accountability. Like I said, on some level, accountability, incredibly, is his new clout. And we can't actually know that he has things under control like he says he does. But he does sound and look like a different dude which is a relief because we all know the path that he was on. In fact, people still might not quite understand how bad of a situation it was. People who are on that path sometimes don't get off that path, and they don't make it out. They don't come out the other end. As an example, I know Jerry Jones 
had no freaking idea how desperate that situation was because Jera wanted to draft Jonna to be his franchise quarterback and the future of the Cowboys. Jonna football. And we all know that would have been a horrific idea. How do we know that? Even Jonna football himself now admits that would have been the worst thing ever for him. If you would have put me in a landscape of, that was my backyard that I knew, you know, I had been driving from College Station up to Dallas when there wasn't nothing going on in College Station. Right. So it was something I was familiar with. I know who I was hanging around at that point in my life. And I think it would have been just an absolute disaster to the point of it wouldn't have been suicide that, that would have been the issue. It would have been drinking and driving. It right. would have been taking a bag from somebody you shouldn't take it from and just boom could have been over in an instant. So I think I know myself well enough to be able to say that it would have been bad in its own right. And luckily, thankfully, you know, it didn't happen, even though at that time it's what I wanted. You know, again, saying the right things, right? So is he saying these things to get us to look at him, react to him, set up his next chapter? Or is he saying these things because he's done the hard work? And he has regret and he's trying to improve and he's trying to be the best version of himself and he's trying to prevent others from making the same incredible mistakes that he made. Which is it? As always, probably yes. Probably both. Because you catch what he was laying down there. If he thought lighting himself and his career on fire in Cleveland was bad, imagine the damage he would have done in his own backyard. Imagine the damage he would have done in Big D. As big as a disaster as his career and life were in Cleveland, at least he's still alive to talk about it. That might not have been the case if he went to Dallas. Not my words, his. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, change up. Don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Here's why. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. On top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business, and they take their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried-out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. That's who. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered and hot and spicy all amazing and all different so the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky look for it in the clear view bag and look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old trapper what's your beef so if you get what i'm saying here i'm not trying to paint manzel all of a sudden out to be this kind of saint or hero Because we all know he's far from it. But if the ownership is real, I appreciate it. And I'm pulling for the guy. But he wasn't the only guy that he dragged. He dragged himself, but he also had a little something for his former coach, Kevin Sumlin, which I thought was really interesting. He put him on blast for telling him to lead a cleaner life. Let me repeat that. He put Sumlin on blast for Sumlin telling Johnny back in the day to lead a cleaner, more responsible life. Johnny found that to be pretty rich. And by rich, I mean pretty hypocritical. 
I think where our relationship fell out a little bit is, you know, how do you have a guy who's a grown man who I look back on this now reflective in this, you know, how do you have a guy who's a grown man, you know, telling me what I should do? Obviously my coach, my guy I'm looking up to, my head football coach is telling me to live a certain way and put all this party and this behind you. But if you know anything about Kevin Summons, what he's doing behind the scenes. Oh, he's partying too? So from behind, from my eyes, so you say, I'm it's hypocritical. Doing what you're doing, we're partying together. Just, what? We're a 40-40 club in New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We in the back room playing pool with Ace of Spades. We're chilling. Right. Coach is there. This is what he does. So now looking back at it, it's hypocritical to me. Pretty interesting, right? Like my dude is not what he used to be. My dude lost his spark. And the reason, he's talking about Sumlin, the reason he's not what he used to be and the reason he lost his spark is because he was doing some of the same bleep he told me to stop doing. Rich as hell. Then again, rich as hell is Johnny Manziel telling somebody else that they're not what they used to be because they're not living right. But then again, who's more qualified to say that than Johnny Manziel? And by the way, maybe he's not wrong. Where is Sumlin now? What did happen to Sumlin? He isn't what he used to be. So maybe Johnny's not wrong about that. It's just rich that Johnny is saying, hey, you, you're not living the way you should be. But then again, he can because he wasn't living the way he should be, and he's owning it. Again, again, I'm not making him out to be a heroic figure He absolutely is still a tragic figure and a massive disappointment. I'm just saying he showed up really well for that interview. And for the first time, it sounds like, and, and here's the thing, we've been conned by others that have led us to believe that they turned over a new leaf only to get burned. We have been conned by others. Let me just say that. I'm not saying he's a con man. I'm saying we've been conned by others. But for the first time, he's showing actual, legit accountability. And he does sound much better. And he looks much better. And that's a good thing. Because the dude is still only 31. He's lived like three lifetimes. But he's only 31. And the path that he was on was only going to lead to a disaster. So hopefully he really is on a better path. Like he sounds like he is. Hopefully this Johnny effing accountability thing sticks for Johnny effing football. I need to see more. I want to hear more. But I am pulling for the dude. It's not too late. Too late for a football career that he pissed away, for sure. But not too late to live a great life and help people from making the mistakes that he made. The ultimate cautionary tale. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. We are joined right now by William Byron. William, appreciate the visit. Great to have you on. How are you? Good, Jim. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on, dude. So you've had a few days to process it. Has it fully sunk in that you are, in fact, the Daytona 500 champ? And what does the achievement represent to you? It's pretty surreal. It it feels so good. I mean, 
we put a lot of effort into that race every year and obviously it's it's one of our biggest races of the year if not the biggest so it just is great way to start the season and we're, uh, you know, something that we'll, we'll cherish forever as a team, for sure. William Byron joining us. You know, there was that late drama Monday with the five lead changes over the final 20 laps. Your win comes under the yellow flag, which is always kind of a subjective call, right, by NASCAR. You were heard on the broadcast asking your team on the radio, did we win it, did we win it? I'm curious, what's going through your mind, and what are you thinking as you were waiting to find out whether or not you had won your first Daytona 500? Yeah, it was honestly really nerve-wracking because it felt like an hour, you know, just waiting for them to give the word of, of who had won the race and obviously waiting on the timing of the caution. And we had the lead coming to the last three laps of the race, so it would have been a big disappointment not to win. But you never know how races are going to play out at Daytona. It's so unpredictable. And the, the, the pack racing at the end with us all three wide and uh, bumping each other was, was really intense. So the last few laps were pretty exciting and um it was a huge relief and excitement to get the word that we had won the race william byron joining us you know i'm curious i spoke to joy logano about the importance of his pre-race routine and mentally getting right for a race i talked to him a couple of days before the race i'm sure you have your own routine what did you and your team do to maintain your focus and your intensity when the rain pushed the race back and you had to wait another full day just to get on the track yeah, honestly, just tried to stay relaxed and stay cool. I, I went and saw the, the Marley movie and just kind of hung out and tried to, you know, take in the day on Sunday and, and not get too anxious about the race on, on Monday. It definitely changes your routine a lot. So uh, trying to get, you know, do some sort of workout on Sunday and just get my mind in the right place. But once we got to Monday, for whatever reason, just felt really relaxed and calm. And it was it was nice because I felt like, when we went into the race, I just had a good feeling about how we were going to, how we, the race was going to unfold. And, uh, we just had to have a lot of patience throughout the event to get to the end and have a shot to win, but pretty, pretty exciting Monday for us. It was, it was really a fun race. Yeah, I bet. Right. So as impressive as winning that race is, I think it's even more so given your journey and where you started race fans know, but for those listening who don't know, how did you first get involved in racing when you were young? Yeah, I started really different than my peers. I didn't start out in the go-kart ranks when I was six or seven years old. I, I didn't have an opportunity to, to race anything when I was younger, but I started on the computer racing on simulation and on iRacing, it's called, and learned how to drive based on, on that and then eventually was able to, to get to where um, I was able to get into a real car. So very different and unique uh, experience, but something that definitely um, I feel like taught me a lot. Yeah, I think it's amazing, actually. So when you're dominating online, were you ever thinking, man, I could probably do this legitimately. I mean, I'm killing it here. I think I could see myself winning the Daytona 500. I mean, did you ever visualize anything like that, or were you just having fun? I think I was always having fun and trying to enjoy the experience, but I had a confidence that I could make it to the cup level. I, I felt like I was I felt like I was talented. I knew I had a natural feel for for the car. So I felt like, um, it always was in the back of my mind, just putting in the work though, to get to that point and be able to get to a point when you can have success at the national level was, was tough. So I definitely felt like, um, each step of the way I was trying to learn as much as I could and, and know in the back of my mind that I felt like I was in the right place. William Byron is joining us. He won the Daytona 500. So what was it like? Like what happened when you actually did first get behind the wheel of a car? What were the early days like on the track? 
they were intense. I mean, I remember just the first time I got in a race car, that was the most fun I've ever had. And just the, uh, the feeling that you get through the car and, and the seat and the, the vibration and speed and noise. And there's just so many senses and, and my adrenaline was, uh, spiked. And I felt like that was something that I enjoyed and just, um, I needed that like in my life to be able to, that was what I really wanted to pursue. So I think over time, the combination of the joy I get driving the car, but also competing, I think the competition is what really drives me today to go out, put, you know, put a lot of work in and, and see the fruits of that labor. Okay, see, to that point, you mentioned, or I mentioned, you had a big year last year. You had six wins. You had the most top fives. You had the most top tens. Despite all of that, you did tell reporters last week, you still have a chip on your shoulder. Like, you've proven your point. Even before this past Monday, you had proven your point. Not only do you belong, you are a top driver. So where do you think that chip comes from at this stage of your career? I think, honestly, it just comes from there being more to prove. I think that um, knowing how I got into the sport and knowing how different it was, I feel like there's there's constantly a point to prove and, and more races to go and win. And um, I feel like to make it worth it for all the people that invested in me at an early age to go out there and, and just um, that's what my goal and passion is. So I feel like it's what I'm driven to do. And uh, you never really stop working at that. We're talking to William Byron for a couple of more moments. You mentioned that you enjoy the win and you celebrate that, then you're on to the next thing. See, that's the unique thing about your sport, right? You start with the biggest race of the year. Unlike other sports, you can't walk it off, jump a jet, go to Cabo and celebrate. So how long did you allow yourself to celebrate? And then what's your outlook for this weekend in Atlanta? Because it is a short week after your huge win on Monday. Yeah, it's a really short week. You know, it's, just trying to get rest and try to try to recover. I've got a few uh, things in place that I do every week to recover, um, just uh, physical treatment and also just the mental side, getting enough sleep and, and hydration. So it's really a short week for all those things. So trying to cram a lot into a short amount of time and make sure that, you know, I stay healthy and get, get to Atlanta this weekend because it's that race is just as important. It pays, you know, just as many points for the win. So we've got a lot of work to do, but, Hopefully when we get to Atlanta, we're ready to go and we can get back in, in our rhythm. And let me ask you this. I think that's interesting what you just said. Of course, like any athlete, rest and recovery is tantamount. It's so important. You talked about, I've got to get proper sleep. I have to hydrate. What about your mental game? What else do you do in terms of recovery or in terms of building your mental game? What kind of things do you do? Yeah, I do a lot of different uh, mental exercises with my trainer. And a lot of that has to do with high stress and high intensity cardio and then and then putting yourself in a state where you're maybe not as mentally sharp where you can answer questions or or process as fast so there's definitely a lot of those things and then and then the mental side I do a lot of um on my on my free time a lot of reflecting a lot of taking notes and and also talking with people that that can allow me to uh to process all that I went through so there's a lot of reflection that I feel like goes on to learn from your past mistakes or success and just be able to have those go-to thoughts that you want to want to approach another race with. That is a pro process right there. One last thought. It's hard to imagine, but Henrik Motorsports is celebrating its 40th anniversary season. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm a California native, so I'm kind of partial to the California legends, especially in a sport like NASCAR. For instance, I'm a big Jimmy Johnson guy. Of course, Jeff Gordon. In fact, what's it been like for you to be able to pick up from him or pick his mind as Rolls Henrik's vice chairman? And what's your relationship like with Jeff Gordon? 
it's pretty cool. I mean, we have a really tight relationship. He's visited my house and, and been over and had, you know, a coffee. And so I feel like we, we're pretty close and uh, we keep in touch, obviously, through the race team, but even outside off the track stuff as well. So I think he's taught me a lot of lessons over the, the last few years and just trying to use him as a mentor to learn how I need to grow as a person. And uh, he's kind of opened me up to all the different aspects of the sport that maybe I wouldn't have uh, been aware of had I not talked to him. Uh, he won the Daytona 500 on Monday. NASCAR is in Hampton, Georgia this week for the Am Better Health 400. That's Sunday. He is the driver of the number 24 car, the Chevrolet Camaro for Henrik Motorsports. He is William Byron. William, great conversation. Thanks so much for making time. Congrats on the big win. Looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Are you one of millions struggling with premature hair thinning and hair loss? Or maybe you're scared about inheriting that thinning look because it just runs in the family. Introducing Provia, a real solution that delivers on its promise without the harsh side effects, unwanted chemicals, and unpleasant smells. Thanks to our friends that develop GenuCell Skincare, Provia uses Procapil. It's a natural ingredient to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning for men and women of any age. By supporting scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or on your comb or 100% of your money back. And right now, new customers can save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at proviahair.com slash Rome. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use plus their super concentrate that could give you faster, more noticeable results. And every order includes your choice of a free gift at checkout. See results for yourself right now. ProviaHair.com slash Rome. ProviaHair.com slash Rome. These statements and products have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. What I do want to talk about is Philly and Philly fan. Philly, you know I love you. It's going to take me some time to lay this out, but let me get you started with it. Philly fan you know I love you. There's no other town like Philly. There's no other fan like Philly fan. And I'm not sure there's even a sports scene anywhere like the Philadelphia sports scene. Let me put it to you this way. Bleep happens in Philly. And bleep happens in Philly sports that simply would not happen anywhere else. Which brings me to the big viral report out of Philly that everybody's talking about this morning. Of course, Eagles fan is still trying to figure out what the hell happened to their football team this year. How did Philadelphia go from 10-1 and a legitimate Super Bowl contender after just missing out on the year before to getting their heads caved in by the Giants and then crashing and burning out of the playoffs? How the hell did that happen? I can't overstate this. It was one of the most complete and total collapses of a season that we have ever seen. So, of course, everybody in Philadelphia is still freaking out. Everybody in Philadelphia is still looking for answers, which is why the following ex-post about two of the supposed biggest factors in their demise is getting a ton of run today. At Real D Gun posted the following, quote, According to sources, Jalen, big contract, pulled in numerous directions 
on and off the field, put him under a lot of pressure. He didn't handle well. It goes on to say, quote, Big Dom suspended. Control Sirianni emotions on sideline. In his absence, Nick gets in numerous, numerous arguments with players and coaches during games. End of quote. All right, so to paraphrase, Jalen Hurts gets the big contract, gets pulled in a number of different directions, gets distracted, doesn't handle it well. All right, reasonable. But Big Dom? Big Dom being pulled off the sideline. That part. <laughs> that part. Yeah, I'm going to do a double take on that for a minute. I'm doing it on Big Dom and his suspension being cited as one of the main factors, or one of the reasons at least, in Philadelphia's meltdown. What? Big Dom DeSandro. The Eagles head of security. You're trying to tell me that the Eagles head of security getting suspended is a part or even a big part that they completely fell apart down the stretch? And the reason the Eagles' head of security was so important was because he was basically Nick Sirianni's babysitter on the sideline? And without his babysitter babysitting him, Nick was such a baby that he pissed everybody off so much that it factored into them completely going into the tank? That was one of the, re- one of the reasons. He couldn't control his emotions and started pissing people off. But when Big Dom was there to check him, That didn't happen. I mean, Philly. Philly, I will always, always qualify this. One, I don't want to get on the wrong side of you because I know how you roll, Philly fan. You have hands and you like to let them go. I know this about you, Philly fan. But Philly, even for you, man, that is absurd. And you know what's even more absurd than that? I almost kind of want to believe it like it's almost plausible like it almost makes sense to me even though it makes no sense at all I'll play along we all know that rock paper Sirianni rock paper scissors can be really annoying and we all watched how miserable that sideline looked while their season was going up in flames maybe Big Dom was the only thing keeping it all together Maybe they really were missing Big Dom, the big babysitter. Yeah, I know. It sounds ridiculous. But then again, it is Philly sports. And listen, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was part of the problem, all of the problem. I just know there was a problem. Something happened. Something that caused their season to swirl down the toilet. And whatever that thing was, remember, they were 10-1. And before you come in here and go, uh, hey, Mr. Obvious, Captain Obvious, they did lose both of their coordinators. Right. They did. And still started 10-1. Something happened. Something caused that entire season to go right down the toilet. And whatever that thing was, they were never able to just flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. Jalen himself is famous for saying that. You take a dump, you drop a turd in a toilet, you don't just stare at it. You flush it and you move on. But they didn't. And you know why that is. Some deuces, some deuces are too big. Some turds are so big that they don't just get flushed. Deuces that big 
actually clog the toilet. Then the toilet overflows. Then you have deuces and water running down your hallway, wrecking your house. That's what happened to Philly. You can't flush a deuce that enormous. And then you have no choice but to call my dude Matt in L.A. And he's got to come in and he's got to make it right. So what I'm saying is this. All hell broke loose when they didn't have their alpha to lean on. And when I mean by alpha, I don't mean their coach. I don't mean their star QB1. I mean the giant bouncer they had on their sideline. Big Dom may have been their magic power. The impossible matchup for the opposition. It's a game of matchups, right? Football's always been a game of matchups. You can't match up with Big Dom, right? I'm starting to think that all three phases actually ran directly through that dude. Because that's a dude who imposes his will. That's a dude who embraces the violence. That's a dude who never backs down. Hey, you don't believe me. Have you ever seen a guy on the sideline not in pads? Willing to go chest to chest with one of the baddest dudes in the league. Trey Greenlaw of the Niners. Big Dom was. He absolutely looked like he was going to let the hands go with one of the baddest dudes in the league. You see that? Did you see that? I know who did. Kyle Shanahan saw that. And he was fired up about that too, remember? I tried my hardest not to lose my mind. Hopefully I didn't embarrass myself too bad. Um, but yeah, once I... I didn't get to see it all from where I'm at, but when I start hearing people explain it to me and stuff, and um, I just can't believe someone not involved in a football game um, can taunt our players like that and put their hands in our guy's face. And um, from what I was told, um, Dre did it back to him, and I was told that he kind of mashed him in the face a little bit, so he got ejected. But um, it was a it was a very frustrating play. I got to watch it to have a true opinion on it, but um, I loved how we rallied after it. Let me tell you something. Have you ever seen that guy that worked up? Have you ever seen that guy exhibit that kind of energy even after losing Super Bowls? Never. Never. Not even this last Super Bowl. So I'm starting to think that Big Dom is that big of a weapon. Look at the way he got the junior lobster to react. I've seen this guy blow Super Bowls and not be that unhappy. Let me tell you something. If Big Dom can live rent-free in Junior Lobster's head, then maybe he really is that important. Big Dom showed up to that Frisco game ready for a fight. And then we basically never saw another Eagle show up ready for a fight the rest of the year. Who knew all along that the secret weapon was that bouncer on the sideline, Big Dom? Who knew Nick Sirianni would forget how to coach without his bouncer looking over his shoulder at all times? Hey, by the way, maybe Sirianni never knew how to coach. Maybe he never knew in the first place. Maybe it was just Big Dom all along. Maybe Nick Sirianni's secret philosophy from the beginning was actually less thinking equals Dom takeover. Less thinking equals Dom takeover. Less thinking equals Dom take over. Less thinking equals Dom take over. Less thinking equals talent take over. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Dom is the talent. Although in that case, they really should have just whacked Sirianni and made Big Dom the head coach, right? Because now what they have is a CEO style head coach 
who apparently is only effective if his bodyguard slash babysitter is around. So why not let the bodyguard slash babysitter run the whole show? Because from the sounds of things, I think he already was. Why do you even need Coach Rock, Paper, Scissors? All right, so obviously, obviously I am highlighting the absurdity of this situation. No, I don't actually think that Big Dom DeSadro's suspension was the whole reason that their season cratered. As much as I want to be, as amazing as it would be, because it would be the most absurd and most Philly thing ever if it were true. But here's the thing. Let me just finish this thought. Even the fact that it's a talking point, even the fact that Philly is talking about this right now is one of the most absurd and most Philly things ever. That one of the reasons their season ripped apart is because they took that big dude off the sideline. And for the record, there's already a clapback. Already a clapback on this report from somebody really important. My dude, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, late last night. And for anybody who says that nothing good ever happens on social media after midnight Eastern is full of crap. Because check out this post on X from AJ. It's not just good, it's incredible. AJ Brown, quote, on X, quote, Philly media is so lame. It's literally something every day. Then the fans be believe the BS. They really should start raising the prices of microphones and cameras because you people will say anything for views. I see why nobody likes us. Because we don't even like us. Hashtag reality TV. I'll tell you what, we've had some quotes today. We've had some athlete quotes today. You want to know how you lose 40 pounds? A strict diet of blow. There's one. You're on a strict diet of blow? Here's another one. Quote. I can see why nobody likes us, because we don't even like us. That's an amazing line. Although I got to push back, my dude. I love you guys. I love Philly. I love Philly media. I love Philly player. I love Philly fanatic. I love all things Philly. And here's why. If team content had to pick a home city, team content would totally settle down in Philadelphia. Quote, Mm -hmm. they really should start raising the prices of microphones and cameras. That's an all-timer. Like, we got to keep the hacks, the scrubs, and the riffraff out the media somehow. These crazy people who will say anything can get their hands on microphones and cameras way too easily these days. Make it harder for these hacks to get their hands on the mics and the cameras, and then we'll fix the problem. AJ, my man, respect. I love that. We need to make microphones more expensive. Look, bottom line, here's the deal. Clearly, I could do this all day. But here's the deal. Something happened. Something happened to that team. They went from the verge of a Super Bowl contender. You're on a strict diet of blow? No, I'm not, Alvy. I just choked up for a minute. They went from being a Super Bowl contender to dog crap. They went from one of the best teams in the league to one of the biggest disasters in the league. And it didn't happen for no reason. 
So, of course, Philly fan and Philly media are going to speculate. That's what comes with the territory. When you ball in Philadelphia and you start a year 10-1 and and you utterly implode and you get your asses kicked by your rival who's terrible. Yeah, I don't think Philly fan is putting this all on Big Dom. But then again, they do love talking crap and housing horse crap sandos and hammer tossing empty vodka bottles and whipping diesel batteries at people. But I think even Philly fan knows that that whole downfall cannot be put on Big Dom. But he had something to do with it. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying removing him had something to do with it. It obviously had an impact on the head coach. Because the head coach could not reach his team. Maybe the head coach couldn't reach his team because Big Dom couldn't reach the head coach. Whatever it is, I'm fascinated by all things Philly. I'm thinking about moving to Philly. I don't think Dodger Jano is into that idea. I haven't brought it up yet. But I want to be closer to the action. Honestly. I want to be closer to Big Dom. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better than that. Hit me up. Let's start on the phones. 1-800-636-8686. One other word of caution. Don't give me some long-form take. Beefs are supposed to be concise, precise, succinct, brevity. Get in, get out. Say your beef, keep moving. It's kind of a rapid-fire thing. All right, let's start off in Eugene, Oregon. Kevin, great to have you. Kevin, what's your beef? Hey, Rome, I got a beef with kids taking too long to get off the bus. Grab your book bag and walk off the bus. Tell little Johnny idiot face that you'll see him on Xbox Live later that night. Got another quick one about school zones if it's got time. Ah. Dude, you shouldn't no. have asked. You should have just done don't it. Like don't don't like ask, call. just do it. Not a very good call. I like the way you ended the first one, though. What's the exact line? Johnny idiot hey, John, face. No, not that. Hey, Johnny idiot face. I'll see you on Xbox a little bit later on. 1-800-636-8686. I just said keep it moving. All you had to do is go bam, bam. I know you were asking permission for a second beef, but instead of asking, just take it and see how it goes, and then we'll decide. Your first one was good enough that I would have allowed a second one. You've already interrupted my flow. Let's go to Roseville, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what's your hey, beef? Hey, Jim, my beef is with the guy in the gym who walks up to the dumbbell rack, grabs a pair of dumbbells, and starts repping them out about a foot away from the dumbbell rack, checking himself out in the mirror. Completely inconsiderate and totally obnoxious. That's it, Jim. I don't even get that. Like, that's all anybody does at the gym. Well, is he, is he too close to the rack so others can't get to the rack? Isn't every dumbbell rack in front of a mirror so dudes can get in their curls and check themselves out in the mirror? I guess what you're saying is nobody else can get the weights. All right. 
1-800-636-8686, Texas. Next stop. And again, like I always say, my favorite thing about the beef segment is all 50 are involved. Terry in Texas. Hey, Terry, what's your beef? Delivery drivers. Why you spend 30 seconds in front of my crib breakdancing and popping and locking for my cameras? Is that supposed to make me laugh or cheer me up? I don't need all that. You know what makes me happy? When my parcel gets delivered on time and you buy day late and a dollar short. What if I came to your job to do my job, but just before I began, I started doing the Dougie? Would you dig that? I doubt it. Keep it professional and get the hell off my property. Go Bills next season. I'm out. Hey, Terry. I like that. Terry. 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 That was a good beef. Terry. Terry. How would you like it if I came to your place of employment and did the Dougie? Terry. Well done, Terry. I like it. Let's go to Sacramento. Jim in Sacramento. Jim, what is your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with you for mispronouncing my daughter's name on her cameo. I even gave you a phonetic breakdown for it, and you still missed it. It's Saidi, not sorry. But she loved it, dude. It made it that much better. She couldn't stop laughing. That is one of the funniest, most thoughtful gifts I've ever given her. Keep up the good work, dude. I appreciate you. Bro, I appreciate you, too. I, I really did struggle with that. I really, this is why I hit you up, my guy. When you got her that cameo, and it was a name I'd never seen before, this is why I texted you back and said, can you please tell me how to pronounce her name? I do not want to butcher it. And then you gave me some phonetic spelling that didn't help, or at least it didn't help me, and I butchered it anyway. And by the way, bro, you just said it, and I still don't know what it is. Now, I'm, I'm seriously sorry about that. I'm glad that she thought it was even funnier that I butchered her name after you told me how to say it. It just was an unusual name. But I take that seriously. I, I wanted to get that right. This is why I reached out to you. I wanted to get it right. So I'm sorry that that was not right. I've had other cameos that didn't come out right that I redid. I'm here for it. Find me on Cameo. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Colorado. Louis, Louis, what's your beef? Jim, my beef is with Whataburger Kooks. You knobs are always bashing in and out. Yet, man, look at the drive through It doesn't lie. Look at all your cars and your measly drive through Ah, I mean lack of cars versus that huge line of free-flowing cars that mow through the in-and-out drive through Simple math, bro. Rack him. Simple beef, bro. Rack him! Simple math, bro. Well done, Louie. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Let's this time go to Texas. Brent. Hey, Brent, what's your beef? Romy, my beef is with a degenerate at the craps table who takes 15 minutes to decide which two dice he wants to crap out on. He rubs the felt, rotates the dice, and then does the inevitable blowing of the dice before he throws his mortgage and Social Security check <laughs> to the other end of the table. And all of this on a Wednesday afternoon in Kansas City casinos. Late. Oh, dude, that was good. That was really good. Where he throws his mortgage and social security checks to the other end of the table. And all of this is done in the middle of the week in a Kansas City casino. That was extremely well done. Brent, good job, dude. Let's go to Houston. We're getting a lot in the state of Texas and having success with it. So I'm going to play that hot hand. Russ in Houston. Hey, Russ, what's up? What's your beef? My beef is with Bev Cart girls on the golf course insisting on showing up on number one. 
can you not just mix it in and show up on four or five when I'm desperate out there late? Interesting point. Everything, like, everything's fine on number one. Haven't hit a bad shot yet. Not really thirsty yet. Everything's fine. I don't need it yet. Trying to get me drunk. So far, so good. Let's keep moving on the phones. Why don't we go to Madison? Madison, Pete in Madison. What's going on, Pete? What's your beef? Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. My beef is with these people who can't mention the X platform without immediately following it up with the platform formerly known as Twitter. I mean, it's been over a year now. I think we all know what it is. Thankfully, you don't do that. No, dude, I don't. I don't do that. Pete, appreciate it. I do not do that. You know, uh, initially, we all did that because for the longest time, it was Twitter. But it is the X platform now. 1-800-636-8686. So far, so good. Hey, written beefers, don't get bent. I'll get there. Maybe. Because the callers are really good so far. Let's go to Boise, Duke. Great to have you, Duke. What's your beef? Uh, my beef is with uh, Standard Restaurant Supply on Fairview, right down the street from my house. Uh, it's the end of February, and you still have your animatronic Santa Clauses dancing. At least, for God's sakes, put some leprechauns on there or something. I'm out. Nice job, dude. Like I said, I'm playing the hot hand. I'm playing the hot hand. They're still, they still have their animatronic leprechauns or animatronic elves dancing. At least throw a leprechaun up there. Come on, man. Stop being so lazy. I like it. Let's go to Lyndon. Ken. Hey, Ken, what's your beef? Romy, my beef is with all these kooks that want to have the most wonderful and unique spelling of a child's name. You're just making their life difficult forever. Keep it as simple as Mary and Joe and Sam. And Ken. And Jim. Now I hear you, dude. Believe me, you heard that guy just have a beef with me because I mispronounced his daughter's name even after he spelled it phonetically. I learned my lesson. What I should have done was call that guy on the phone and have him repeat it to me because he just said it to me on the air and I still don't have it. But like he said, it actually made it funnier that you butchered her name even after I spelled it phonetically for you. Dude, clearly I'm not as smart as you or her. Now, if you had named her, I don't know, Samantha, I would have nailed that. 1-800-636-8686-ATX. It's good to have the ATX back here in the jungle. Vince. Hey, Vince, what's your beef? Hey, Senor Rome. Vince here. Hey. Hey, Vince. Vince. Yo, say. Yo, say, Vicente. My man, you you call this show way too regularly to make that mistake. You know the show. And you know that's going to get you run. And you know if you're on hold, be ready because I'm coming to you. One of the very few rules on the show is if I repeat or if I say I'm going to this person in this town and you regurgitate that you're this person in this town, you're going to get run. It's redundant. I know who you are. Everybody knows who you are. I just said who you were. Dude, you know this show too well to make that mistake. If you were a first timer and you were all nerved out, 
I get it. But you should know better. Kirk in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Kirk, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. So my beef is with my two teenage kids that drive and uh, inevitably find a way to block access to my garage when I get home and uh, have to park on the street and then go inside and yell at them. I feel you, dude. Kids. <laughs> like, like, why did you have them? Kids. <laughs> Teenagers. DJ would say, notice I'm not. DJ would say, yeah, but they'll be gone, and man, you'll miss those times. Just kidding, Logs. 1-800-636-8686. I wish I could retell that story I told about Logan yesterday, but I got away with it without DJ finding out, so I don't want to push my luck. I just love that the kid, the kid never, ever texts me ever. And when he does, it's usually one line and he needs something. When I busted his ass on something, when he texted, because he texted the wrong person, the wrong thing, me, when I called him on it, he starts thumbing out like paragraphs. You know, he went right to his lapper and his iMessage to make his point. When I saw like graphs and paragraphs, I couldn't stop laughing. All right, let's go this time to Encinitas. Josh, great to have you, Josh. What's your beef? Uh, my beef is with moving, Jim. It is an absolute nightmare. Back in the day in college, not a big deal. You had like one box of stuff. But, dude, four bedrooms, throwing away crap, changing 800 different addresses. Worst thing ever. War not moving, but also war Solana Beach. I'm out. Bro, yes. Yes. Yes to all the above. Yes. I, I could not agree more with that beef. Having moved a few times in recent years, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. It is so stressful. It is so hard. And if you have a partner that keeps everything, everything, it's even tougher. Now, you're right, dude. Moving sucks. However, if you're moving to Solana Beach or Encinitas, that's not too bad. Those are both good towns. Let's go to Sacramento. Allen in Sacramento. Hey, by the way, this is a good beef segment. I'm having fun with this one. Allen in Sacktown. Allen, what's your beef? Hey, I'm just uh, saying that when I go sit down at a gym, an empty weight machine, I start doing a couple reps. My beef is when someone comes over to me and says, oh, I'm sitting there. I'm doing that machine. So I say to them, how's that? Because I'm sitting here. <laughs> and they go, I'm doing a circuit, man. I got four machines going. I go, oh, you're paying for four memberships? I believe I'm working out here. So you want to work in? And they stand over me with their hulking roids, biceps. <laughs> I'm 145 pounds. And they try to intimidate you. And they finally back off, and they give me a look the whole time I'm working out for the next hour. Like, watch out. We're coming after your family kind of thing. Hell yes, dude. That was so great. Hey, Alan, dude, you're on the watch list for a golden ticket. Thank you, Alan. And that's never come off a of beef. That was so well said. That was an awesome, awesome, awesome beef. Yeah, Rome, you think so because you are him. Thank no, you, Alan. No, I, I work out at home. I don't have that issue. I just think that's amazing what he just said. Hey, I'm on that machine. I'm sitting on that machine. Really, how's that, dude? Because I'm the one sitting here right now. No, I'm working a circuit of four machines. Really, do you pay for four memberships? 
And then the guy stands over me with his hulking biceps because he's roided out his ass trying to intimidate me and then stares at me the rest of the workout like he's going to kill me. Dude, that was so great. You're on the watch list, my guy. Great job to you, Alan. Don't let it go to your head. Don't get drunk on your success. But I am really happy with that. That was a great beef. And not only that, but a beef about the gym when we already heard about the gym today. And still great. Good job, dude. Really happy with you. Let's go to Provo. Mike in Provo. Mike, what's your beef? That's back. Good to talk to you. You too, dude. Most clones, most clones will not get this because they do not wash their hands. I'm pretty sure of it. But there I am in a public restroom. I dropped the deuce. Ah. That's not a good call. No. <laughs> you don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Bro. <laughs> Bro, like, like, I liked your energy. I liked the way you sounded. I liked you as a guy. But I said at the very top, no toilet smack, no bathroom smack, no bathroom beefs. I think what you had to say, I think, might have even made some sense. Like, you had a good way about you. I didn't want to do that. But I didn't do anything. You did that to yourself. You know the rules. Let's keep trying. I like it. 1-800-636-8686. Are we staying with the phones? Let's try another one. Back to Idaho. John in Idaho. Good to have you, John. What's your beef? Hey, John. Hey, Jim. My beef is I played pro ball for years, and my beef is with guys that show up for training camp that look like Tarzan, but they play like Jane. Mm, interesting. You know how it is. You know the, the real dogs. You know the guys who have the real dog in them. Some guys look the part, and then some guys don't look the part, and they're fierce. Some guys look like savages, and they're not. I feel you. 1-800-636-8686. Tommy, what's your call? Let's read some. If you're on hold, do not hang up. That does not mean I'm not going back to the phones. Hey, Jim. My beef is with Alvin. For not running that guy with the daughter's weird name. Rule number one, never correct the host. Keith in Milwaukee, war right in my face. I disagree with that. I, I disagree with Alvin on the other rule, but I really disagree because that was a cameo thing. That was not a radio thing. The guy paid for a cameo for his daughter. He had every right to expect a return on the investment whereby not only would I provide them some entertainment and or insight, but I'd actually get her name right. He was right. I was wrong. Except phonetically, when he spelled it out, it didn't make it any better for me, obviously. It's Saidi. 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 Like, I can't even say it and I'm hearing it. It's Saidi. Yo, bro, respectfully, and she seems like a really neat gal. Like, he laid out for me what she's accomplished and what she's all about. She sounds like an awesome daughter and an awesome person. It's just not a really easy name, at least for me to pronounce. Saidi. I should, like, take that and redo it and just drop his voice in. Like, I'll, I'll be like, yo, yo, yo. Insert. Saidi. You know what's cracking? Hey, what's cracking? Vance Mack here. I'm going to record it next time and let Alvin hit the drop. So, bro, if you want to purchase again. Now, if I were really great, I would just redo it again for free. 
Alvin may make a cameo on that cameo. Hey, Jim. Let me see here. No, no Calvick is back. My beef is doofuses who step in front of me to grab dumbbells when I'm in front of the rack, grinding out the last couple of reps. Hey, asshat. Can you not wait 17 seconds for me to finish the set? This one says, my beef is with Jim talking about deuces and turds for 10 minutes, but flat out refusing to ever read my beef about my neighbor using his own feces as fertilizer. It's disgusting, Chad. But I did. I gave you what you want, Chad. Stop sending it. Hey, Snagger. Don't encourage them, Alvy. Snagger, my beef is with the leathery old lady that sucks down a heater outside my building and then immediately comes in and jumps into a crowded elevator. That crap is still in your lungs, you old bag. And now it's in all of ours. Take a few deep breaths outside. Pop a stick of gum into that catcher's mid-face of yours. Derek in Des Moines. I'll allow that. Not only will I allow that, I agree with that. This one says, My beef is the Dunkin' Donuts near my house, only having two employees working in the morning. Schedule more people. Romy. My beef is with Starbucks, the overpriced motor oil that they call coffee served in environmentally unfriendly cups and covers contains harmful chemicals. It's simply a status symbol. Your buddy, Eric in Orlando, wore Dunkin' Donuts from the half fam country. It. I mean, I, I'm look, I have half fam. We're half fam. I have half my family in Boston. And obviously, back in that region of the country, Dunkin' Donuts is a thing. It worked its way out here. I tried it. It's not my deal. I'm not even saying Starbucks is the end all. You know why I go to Starbucks? It's the most convenient. And the people that are there in the morning are nice. It's nice to see people in the morning that are friendly. And it works. But I'm not, believe me, that's not the hill I'm dying on. I'm not going to war for that. But I will tell you this. Dunkin' Donuts did not live up to the hype, and I was hoping it would. I mean, don't act like it's Krispy Kreme. And this whole thing about, oh, best coffee ever, is it? I mean, it's aight. Amber's in. Romy, my beef is with the hygienist who did my cleaning this morning using that pointy object in my mouth like he's digging for gold. Hey, buddy, those are my gums. Take it easy, Freddy Krueger. Good job, Amber, always. Amber's so consistent. Don't hate on me and Amber. Don't hate on me because I said she's good at the game. Scott is that guy, writes, Dear at Jim Rome, my hashtag beef is with my wife, whose solution to our cats crapping everywhere except the litter box is to buy a $400 self-cleaning litter box. Now the cats crap in front of the $400 litter box. Well played, babe. You sure showed them. Yeah, I understand that life. I got a couple of those. Hey, Rome Slice. Not a couple of wives, a couple of cats. 
Hey, Rome Slice, my beef is with football announcers saying that a team is forced to punt or has to punt. That really chaps my ass. They are electing to punt. They don't have to. They're not forced to. They can go for it if they choose. Wore that team up north having to vacate the national championship. Don in the natty. Hey, Don, of all the things in the world that chap your ass, that, 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 that's at the top of the things that chap my ass list. It says, got a big, steamy beef, Jim, with the sorry-ass NBA dunk flunk. It's a sorry state of affairs when a three-point contest is more entertaining than a slam-bam-jam show. Middle school star power, don't get it done. Ever hear of the doctor, MJ, Neek? 12 men doing the same lame dunk is a fail. I agree, dude, but they're the only ones willing to do it. Dear Jim, my beef is with the tool speeding and weaving through traffic with no regard for anyone else on the road. 10 times out of 10, driving like Jeff Gordon accomplishes nothing. Four or five lights down the road, you'll be stuck at a red light, and I will be rolling up right next to you. This is California, loser. No matter how fast you go, you're still going to be 20 minutes late to wherever you're going. War toll roads. Scott in San Clemente. He's right, isn't he? It's so dangerous. I know that guy. We all see that guy, and we all pull up next to that guy. He's right. You're not getting there any faster than the rest of us even though you're going three times as fast as the rest of us. Look at old Randall Avix. Haven't seen him in a while. My beef is with people that don't have anything better to beef about than Chuck McDowell. Leave Chuck alone. You're lucky he even cancels timeshares for you bastards. I agree. Leave Chuck McDowell alone. He's trying to save you losers money. And he's succeeding. More than 30,000 of you. He's gotten you out of bad timeshares. Why are you coming for this guy? This is how you thank him? Dear Jim, my beef is with my wife's TV tastes. If I got to sit through one more episode of some flavor of the week, true crime, Netflix dog crap, I'm going to walk. Brett and Bugaha, good to have me. Sure you are, Brett. Sure you are, Brett. You're going to walk. You're going to walk out on your wife. Sure you are, Brett. I'll tell you one thing about that. Number one, the true crime Netflix dog crap is the good stuff. But there is a point in time, I'll admit, and it's not just Netflix because I watch true crime everywhere. You do hit a point in time where you finally like, man, I need a break. I need a break. You know, By the way, this is actually bringing me down. I'm no longer absolutely enthralled and fascinated by it. If I see one more person get choked out or buried in the backyard, yeah, I don't need this anymore. Grizzly murders are finally no longer fine entertainment. DJ and I mixed in an episode late last night of Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time in a long time. And my reaction to that is because we like Larry David. I met him once. I met him once. When I met him once, I've told you the story. When I met him once, he was exactly the same in real life as he is on the show. So it's even more authentic. And, and Janet loves him. We also saw him once. We went. We were in Santa Barbara at a hotel 
known for their brunches, and I went down to brunch, and Janet was not ready yet, and I'm blowing up the phone like, oh, you got to get down here. You got to get down here. You will not believe who's here. Just picking through the food. He was there. Anyway, we watched an episode last night for the first time in a long time. Two thoughts. One, genius. It was brilliant. Two, freaking exhausting. Exhausting, man. The writing and the acting are so incredible. But, man, that that is exhausting. Wow, Rome, you must be in pretty good shape if you can't lie in bed and watch Curb. Right. Hey, Brett, you're not walking. Come on, man. Hey, Jim, my beef is with my former roommate who was the track photographer at Long Acres. He talked me into drinking a two-ounce shot glass full of this new superpower liquid vitamin for racehorses. It took three hours before the family jewels can settle down. Dave in Arizona. Dude, you're drinking medication for horses. Horse testosterone. That'll that'll do it. That'll do it. Dude, that, that horse that that was for weighs well over a thousand pounds. What do you weigh? You're lucky you even have jewels still. Last one. Rome. <laughs> I got a beef with my idiot parents who named me Saidi. Sincerely, Saidi. I even gave you a phonetic breakdown for it and you still missed it. It's Saidi. 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 You see, dude, it's not an easy name. Saidi. I'll bet you, and I'll tell you something else. You seem like a good dude. And again, she seemed like a really good gal. I guarantee I'm not the only one who's mispronounced that. Come on. Saidi. You can tell me sorry. every teacher she's ever had nailed that. Every coach she's ever had nailed that. My man, I guarantee you didn't even get it right the first time. And you named her. Saidi, not sorry. I got got to get out. Because Boach is coming up at 40 past. (laughs) Great job, y'all. Great, great job. Good night now!